Welcome to the January 26th pre-NFC AFC Championship Weekend Edition of the PFF Forecast. This is a special edition. Okay, this is going to be a great episode. We have we had a good piece of content last week that people liked that was not related to the championship or the divisional games. We again have a really good piece of content around what is the corner three of the NFL and what is the mid-range jumper of the NFL. And then we'll get into the championship round. We're going to get our picks for both games in. We'll pick a lock of the week and then we'll send Eric off to Kansas City. Let's rock. All right. Um, excitement level. Because you've been, we've been through this before. 2019, you obviously have been in the championship game as a, as a fan for the past few years. I was going to say, like, we, you and I, so we started doing, the PFF forecast started in January of 2018. Hmm. So we have had an AFC title game in this podcast that did not include the Chiefs. But sure. since we've lived, since we've lived here yep. they've been in the afc title they've hosted it every single year and like that was to me like the biggest thing at the end of the buffalo game which was i'm not gonna know what to do with my hands if like <laughs> it's like buffalo cincinnati and the you know um so you know it feels familiar now um also do you notice this lovely angle here yeah i <laughs> I was gonna say because like the the biggest issue with the the camera angle and people the people in the comments by the way who thought it were intention was intentional that's my favorite thing where it's like can you assume any less of me or George like no we're uh, like I look I haven't gotten a haircut managed, like we also manage now for you to be like behind me you want to come join me uh, here at the like top of the desk I'm on an sure. island what yeah, the hell is this? this I know literally on an island also. Um, I haven't gotten now that I'm I'm t doing a U and looking at the mm -hmm. camera here and my God do I need a haircut? Well, that's what I was gonna say. Like I haven't gotten my haircut in like two or three months, and you know, like this idea that I, I we put the camera on the back of my on, head on, on purpose yeah. on purpose. Like, can you assume less of us as people? I don't know. It's impossible almost. I yeah, I don't know about that. Um, let me say this about this championship round watched a lot of football you've watched a lot of football i am as excited about this championship round and i know everyone was like look last year or last week's game chiefs bills that was the super bowl yada 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 and we're probably not going to get a game that good i was legitimately excited to re-watch that game on monday night and it was amazing the second time around as well but it has not felt to me like there were more clear favorites, but also clear opportunities for an underdog to win. And and that they have clear advantages as underdogs in certain areas. Um, so I'm very, very excited for this round. You're going to Kansas City. You're going to be live, boots on the ground. You're going to uh, see whether Andy Reid calls the good plays. And if he's not, you're going to let him I'm know. A, I'm going to yell call the good plays a few times. I'm not, zero doubt that you will do that. Absolutely zero doubt that you'll do that. Uh, before we get um, into the championship games, though, we've got a special topic here. And before we get into that, a reminder 
for everyone out there who is still looking to take advantage of all the great stuff at pff.com, you can get 25% off with the promo code forecast, F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T. If you get an elite subscription, which uh, is just $200 for a year, I know that sounds like a lot, but you break down by month, it's not that much, and you get every single thing that PFF has to offer, grades week by week and year by year for every player, plus all the great betting tools, includes the player props tool, the best bets tool, green line, our betting dashboards, plus the DFS optimizer, and of course, all of PFS premium content and fantasy um, tools. Or if you want to take things a little slower, the Edge subscription, which is just $40 for an entire year. So gosh, it's like less than four bucks a month, um, gives you all of our premium content and our fantasy tools. So go to pff.com, use promo code forecast, F-R-E-C-A-S-T. And if you want to share with us what you would like to see, we've gotten some really good emails from people that we've been looking at as a team as we decide what we're going to build this year and going forward. So tell us what your favorite PFF tool or piece of content that you like or enjoy uh, by emailing us at contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T at pff.com. And then tell us the thing that you most wish you had from PFF and we'll put it on the board. All right. You came up with these topics. Tell me how you did. I've been just doing a lot of reading. I'm, we're working on some new projects. I needed. Oh, some, so you're not working enough. Some fresh ideas. <laughs> uh, I needed. Uh, what were you reading? That, that I was reading the mid-range theory by Seth Partnow. Seth Partnow was working for the Athletic. He had previously been uh, Milwaukee Bucks. He's currently in stat at Statbomb, um, and he he wrote something that I thought was really interesting, which was, and you know basketball a lot better than me. Um, but this idea and, you know, the, over the last you know decade, let's say, there's been obviously a lot more three-pointers taken. Uh, the reason is trivial, right? Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, did they go, they've gone through the same bullshit we've had to go through, right? Yeah, and I think the argument actually, here's the interesting thing about it. In the NBA, no one is disputing that threes you know, are more efficient than mid-range jumpers. Mm-hmm. I think there are a few people that maybe still don't get it, but that number is way lower. In the NFL, it's interesting because it's not, the math isn't as simple, right? Well, there's, so like when I tell, when you tell someone, hey, seven is twice, uh, is more than twice three. And they go, okay, yeah, but like, a field goal is a sure thing. And like, there's no chance you're scoring a touchdown and like trying to explain to them how the probabilities need to be for that math to make sense is way harder than the, Hey, someone shoots close to the same percentage they do from three as they do from mid range. And they get one more point. They get 50% more points. Yeah. Like, that math is easier. Well, the, the number is certainly higher for mm-hmm. like the in-game decision processes, like, the, the, the sample size is so much lower and like, you know, we're still going through the rigmarole with, with Brandon Staley and people like his recklessness caused them a playoff spot. And I'm like, well, what did, was he reckless? The first Chiefs game and the first Browns game where they were even in that position to, right. to be in the playoffs. And, um, you know, but so anyway, so so he goes through and he, he shows the shot charts and actually uh, Goldsberry, uh, his book Kurt. as well. Yeah. Kurt, I've been like looking at his book and they're kind of the same the same story. It's a lot of fun to read those. Really and, cool data viz. Yeah. And and the thing that um that Seth talked about, which I thought was really interesting, which which was 
this evolution in basketball didn't change the mid-range game so much as it 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 separated players into elite players and not elite mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Bruce Bowen was corner three D and three guy before it was cool. And he was kind of a shitty offensive player, but at least he could yeah. knock that down. Yeah. And then the idea being like any player can kind of knock that down, mm-hmm. right? Like Brooke Lopez can go learn how to shoot a three. And now, you know, he's a guy that can protect the rim, but he can shoot a three on offense right. and he doesn't get all clogged up in the post and stuff. And, but there are still instances where you need to be able to shoot a mid-range shot, right? End of uh, shot clock. Um, and you want the only guys worth taking those shots are the elite of the elite that can make shots that are contested. They can do all those things that make that shot um, better than, again, when when the situation dictates you want your elite player to shoot the mid-range shot if he yeah. has to. Yeah, the Warriors, when they had Kevin Durant. Yeah, like everyone was like, "Oh wow, they're actually not as three happy as yeah. they were." And the reason for that is that Kevin Durant is absurdly efficient, yeah. regardless of where you put him on the floor. So I looked at, and again, like I'm just thinking. So, the, so the idea here is that we're going to identify both the efficient thing and the inefficient thing, or are you saying that they're just going to be well, because counterparts? Because the issue is, is the efficient thing is what you can select for when you've done all the other things right. Okay. Right? So if you if you break a, a player down off the dribble and you get into the lane and a guy's wide open for three in the corner, it doesn't really, it does matter, but it doesn't really matter if that player's an elite player or he's an okay player. Right. The thing that set that player up is more valuable than the corner three, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And... And if if you're not successful doing all that stuff, right? Oh yeah, that, that's yeah. Stuff. yeah you're yeah. not successful breaking everybody down <laughs> Easy off the dribble. Easy white chocolate. Yeah, you're not successful breaking everybody down off the dribble, and you have to take an inefficient shot. You want your best players doing that, right? Right. 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 And so I thought, and again, this is very simple, but I actually looked at play action slash RPO passes as being like this corner three. Okay. Right. So the ability to be able to run play action and RPOs is bestowed upon you by being in a neutral game situation, meaning either your defense has played well in that game or your Mm -hmm. offense has played well in that game. You're in a situation, and this was always like the point about why we faded certain teams some years because we're like, well, their schedule is a lot harder. So all the easy buttons are going to be able to smash. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be able to smash them this year, right? And all this stuff. And non-play action passes are bestowed upon you when you don't get those privileges, right? And and I just looked at usage rates. It's kind of interesting. So, um, and I I looked um, I looked at every single quarterback who had who has had a season with three point seven five WAR or better. Mm-hmm. So like this is a elite quarterback. So let me list the names here: Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Brett Favre, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Eli Eli Manning, Aaron Rodgers. Eli had a really good twenty eleven yeah. year. Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Palmer had an MVP year. Car- uh, Andrew Luck, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. So I'm calling those guys elite guys. Okay. Over And again, again, we're looking at evolutions in the game. So the evolution of you know less mid-range baskets are taken mm-hmm. in, in basketball, but the ones that are taken are taken predominantly by the elite players. Yeah. So since 2014... Uh, in 2014, basically, uh, non-elite players took uh, 63% of their dropbacks as uh, basically non, non like non-play action. action. Elite players in 2014 took 72% of them. Hmm. 
So, so they were able, they, they were the ones taking the majority of those. And this is on early downs. We could go back because that's when you have a choice. So these are early down passes. The elite players took the majority of the share of the sort of mid-range shots in yeah. football. As time has evolved, so now 2021, only 57% of the passes thrown by non-elite quarterbacks are without play action or RPO. It's gone down for elite quarterbacks too, but it's 62% still. So there's a 5% difference in basically like the elite quarterbacks essentially still being able to and willing and opting into in many cases and being good at them, these passes that they don't need help with, mm -hmm. basically. Um, if and, you and it, do you think, sorry to cut you off there, but I do you think that that is because elite quarterbacks are trusted in situations correct. where it's just like, look, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, Jimmy G, I don't want to, I'm not going to, this is not, this is a pro Jimmy not, G podcast. I'm besmirch Jimmy G. Yeah, I'm not going to besmirch Jimmy G. So let me use a different example, Carson Wentz. It's like, hey man, I'm just not going to ask Carson Wentz to do this. Is that, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and if you restrict it down to just guys who have been elite over, like super elite over mm -hmm. the last, like, so I, I, I even broke it down further to Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, Luck, Mahomes, Wilson, Watson, just those guys. 58%. In 2021, of of passes by those players are of the non-play action variety. 63. So again, there's that five percentage point difference between you know the elite guys and the non-elite guys. So that that to me is what it is, right? Like you look and say, okay, why why do we always? And I I have not put Josh Allen here, even though Josh Allen does deserve to be in there. I think mm -hmm. event you know at some point, um, but I, I don't think if one player would skew the numbers that much. Um, the, the the idea again being like why you know why are some quarterbacks elite and why are some not right mm -hmm. why are there players able to be in championship rounds and why are there players like Jimmy G right who is a good player when the the situation gives rise like last year the 49ers everybody on that team was injured including mm -hmm. him yeah. so like what prayer did he have now if you put Patrick Mahomes in that situation he's probably going to do well Right, not not he might not win twelve games, but he's going to do better than Jimmy G is. But then, whenever he's not hurt, when everything goes well, like that's like Ryan Anderson getting like an eighty yeah. million dollar deal. Like when everything goes well, the guy's reigning threes, right? And he's he's making millions of dollars. Yeah, Ryan Anderson, yeah, you know what I mean. And like that, that was the example in uh, in the book, and it was yeah. like Houston Rocket, great, exactly. But like, but somebody who, if you actually made him be, you actually had gave him the ball when the shot clock was draining right, right, down. Right. He's gonna suck, and and I think that again, I thought that I thought that was an interesting topic because again, like we always were, everybody's like, oh look, oh, you, you, it's just as good to have a Jimmy G as a as a Patrick Holmes. It's like, well, no, you also who said that by the way. I don't think anyone said that. I I think I think there are people who who and I and I I said this in a tweet. I said just because the an unlikely thing happened doesn't mean the unlikely thing that you want to have happen is going to happen. Right. So mm -hmm. people use the Jimmy G thing and the Niners defense thing as a reason to build your team a certain way. And like, oh, you can't like, look, you you don't need to go after Mahomes, which like I think most of the time you do have to go after a Mahomes. Look, I hate to break this to everyone that's saying that, but the Niners literally went after a Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, that's that's bananas. I, the slander on Jimmy G is interesting because the look, the dude is hurt. He's got a sprained shoulder and a torn ligament. But that's 
kind of part of it, you know, like, you know, not to be like, you know, the guy that harps on like durability, but in the NFL, like that's important. Right. And Patrick Mahomes had that one stretch where he did have the ankle injury and it was a real issue for him. You know, he did not play as well, but like, that's kind of part of it is when people are caving around you, are you still able to also no one is, no one is engineering defenses to stop the corner three and no one is engineering defenses to stop Jimmy G. People like the people have spent years engineering defenses to stop Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. quarterbacks. And that's another aspect of it too. Like in addition to injuries and stuff like that, but it's it's almost it's just again like how how many bullets can you take? Right? right. And and to be able to just run a normal pass play efficiently all the time. Like that's what that's that's the mark of being elite, right? And needing your hand held by circumstances is sort of a, a, a measure of not being so if you were okay so i'll ask you one question here around that if you're running a team or coaching a team how do you how do you leverage this knowledge to make you better like is it is it more deep than just run more play action well no i mean it's one of those things where like, I think I would build a system of KPIs where I would measure how much help I had to give to the players. So, like, take a corner, like, even, like, take, like, your defensive ends, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you paid Frank Clark all this money and you have to run stunts all the time, right? I, mm-hmm. I showed an article last week that stunts make pressure se- seven percentage points more likely. If you have to run stunts all the time, and, and he's showing up. He's showing up well. Like the sack against Garoppolo in the Super Bowl to win the game was a, on a stunt, yep. right? Everybody gives Frank Clark a ton of credit, but that was after four and a half seconds. Right. You have, if you have to, if you find yourself having to build easy buttons for your elite players, mm-hmm. you got to get out of those elite players, right? Yep. And I think there's also an aspect. And again, this is just, I'm going to say Josh Allen because I mean Josh Allen, but it's also true about Mahomes and some of these other guys. Some seasons, you, some seasons you, you, you don't use your good stuff during the middle of the season because you don't have to, right? Like there's a reason why teams like, you know, Brady would always start two and two every year. They lose to Detroit. They lose to the Dolphins. And it's like, they don't have to pull like they can win games even without giving themselves a chance. And maybe there's maybe there's some testing ground going on, right? Whereas with other teams like say Tennessee, like they have to they yeah. have to play the Tannehill, the corner three stuff all the time. And you know, again, if I were running a team, I would measure how often I felt I needed or or we had to to hit these KPIs to think we were supposed to be successful, right? And I would adjust for them, right? So if I'm the Niners, right? Niners are very efficient offense. But you look at the KPIs. In the passing game, they face one of the heaviest boxes in football. Uh, they run motion more than everybody else. They run, I believe, uh, trick looks. You know, LA and San Francisco, two highest teams in the NFL in running trick looks this year. Um, or trick plays, a combination of those. So, like... You're doing really well, but the question is, is like, how sustainable is that? If we start to play, if our defense gets injured, then and we're in a lot of situations where we can't run that stuff, then you're going to predictably be bad, right? So, like, I think that those that was that's what I would do to sort of make sure that I properly understood how good my team was during the course of a season. Okay, so you actually did mention my corner three. Um, I took a similar approach to you. I thought we would have 
radically different approaches. The one thing that I did though, was I thought about the corner three and the mid-range jumper in football as separate and picked the thing that I thought was, but you know, I said, okay, this is the thing that I think is the corner three. And then this is the thing that I think is the mid-range jumper. And they weren't like the, you know, countered one another basically. Yeah, they, they weren't they weren't compliments of each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they weren't a choice that a team made. So let me start with uh, I'm actually gonna start with what I think the mid range jumper is. And I think this one is predictable and easy. Everyone that's listening to this podcast could probably guess what I'm gonna say here. But this is running on second and law. And it's one of those things where I think of it similar to the mid range jumper because of the advocates for mid-range jumpers still and the advocates for running on second and long still, I feel like are similarly sparse, but also like their arguments are ridiculous where, you know, it's like, no, 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 like, you know, we have to establish the run. No, no, no. Like I can't cheapen the sport of basketball, the beauty of the mid-range jumper. They're, they're, I want to be able to shoot the mid-range jumper on my own free will. I yeah, want to, I want to impose my will. Yeah. 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 And, and, a lot of it is interesting because what you hear in basketball around why they don't like, you know, the threes that are raining down is that it's not as pretty, Yeah. you know, and like there's something artful to the mid-range jumper, which is interesting because in, in football, you hear that kind of like same thing with the run game. Um, so that was my mid-range jumper. My uh, corner three is motion. And... Uh, so similarly to you, so in t I looked uh, in 2015, I went um, what I thought was five years ago. It turns out it's more than five years ago. It's 2015, but be, be easy on me. Be old. easy on me. So it, it, this was crazy. So in 2015, the team that ran the most motion had 406 plays of motion. The average team ran 270. In 2021, the year of our Lord, the Chiefs ran the most plays with motion. They had 700 and 69, 66 plays with motion. The average team ran almost 500. Now, um, that is that is good thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. Teams are leveraging it more. What I found and why I picked motion as the corner three was that it's a schematic thing that applied even to a bad offense will make your offense better. And what I mean by that is even if you're going to run the ball, run it with motion. Because mm -hmm. that makes it way more efficient. Mm -hmm. If you're going to pass the ball, pass with motion. It makes it more efficient. There isn't a scenario where it doesn't make it your team more efficient. And it's similar to the corner three where, are you a shitty team? Yes. Okay. Well then shoot corner threes. Yeah. Are you a good team? Okay, good. Put Steph Curry. Get Steph Curry. Uh, Steph Curry is the bad example. Like Clay Thompson. It's like, would mm -hmm. I rather have Clay Thompson shooting a corner three than anyone else? Yes. Because that's absolutely money. Yeah. And, um, I think your, your way of attacking it, which was like good players can do the bad things more frequently was really cool and interesting. Yeah. I didn't approach it that way. I kind of thought of it as like, this is something that even if I have, if I have Trent Williams, put him in motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, the, the reason I thought of doing the, doing this problem was because they pointed out that Steph Curry doesn't shoot corner that many mm -hmm. corner threes because it's like. No, that's where like the scrubs go to get their points. Right. Like I, I'm here to. It's it that is interesting because for Steph Curry, you know, how does Steph Curry play the game of basketball? Steph Curry plays a beautiful game of basketball 
despite shooting so many threes. Yeah. He's a ball handler. The yeah. guy shoots off the dribble all the time. The corner, because of like geometrically where it is, that's a place where you put people yeah. who aren't going to do that, yeah, yeah. you know? It's but that's, really like, that's like the tight end in, in play action too. It's just like the tight, a lot of tight ends. There's only like five tight ends in all of football that can get open by themselves. Right. Everybody else is, and that's was always the, the the knock on Mark Andrews. We were, we, I think we were wrong about him because it, you know, as, as it would, would happen, he can get open by himself. But it's like the layups that they get from, you know, just these in, not to mix analogies, but like the, the, the play action stuff, that's where like the John U. Smiths and like the kind of crappy tight, the Jared Cooks and those crappy Are tight you ends at least get open. Like, at least narrow the scope to like tight ends at play. Yeah, yeah. But so, <laughs> but like your point and like, I always, th I thought back to myself, I'm like, I don't, and I, and look, I don't have the Rolodex the same way I do in football mm -hmm. for basketball, but I don't remember Michael Jordan shooting a corner three. Right. And I don't think LeBron shoots that many corner threes. No. It's like, it, it's, it is where you sort of, and I think the thing with second and 10 runs, I, I agree with it in, in that like the efficiency just isn't there and people believe it's beautiful. I think where, I think that the, the only difference between my analogy and yours is that you're never forced to do a second and 10 run. Mm -hmm. Whereas they're like, oftentimes you are, when the shot clock's going down or whatever, you're forced to take an inefficient shot and you want your best player to do it. And in football, you're forced in many cases to run a pass where mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. you and and you can't run play action. You can't do mo. You can do motion, but you can't you you can't do some of the hacks that make passing easier. And that's where you see like, and that's why for the most part, and I, I think Kyle Shanahan's the exception that proves the rule. Then unless you have a brilliant offensive mind right next to you, it's gonna be the Mahomeses, the Allens, uh, the Burrows, and, and like let's be honest, Stafford. Like Stafford's proven this year that he at least in in his ceiling can be that kind of quarterback. Yeah. And so, and, and it's why you look at like, like if I think it's like the 50 of the 55 quarterbacks who've won a Super Bowl or, you know, a double counting, like 45 of them are going to make the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. It's that's why, right? Like once by this time of year, you have to be impervious. Yeah. And that, and that I think is like with Chris Paul or something like that, where it's like the reason he's still freaking here is because you can throw kind of everything at him and he's still going to be able to score enough for you to win basketball games. And, and I, you know, and I think the analogy is not perfect in football, but I do think it's interesting to think that way because I thought Seth and I did a really good job in the book of like, of, of explaining the, the special place that the mid range has now, as opposed to just like people stop shooting it. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. it still needs to be shot, but you, you want to only shoot, you want to reserve it for shots for the great players. Yeah, it was good. That was a really cool discussion. I appreciate you bringing it up. We're going to get to um, the games. And before we do, just want to remind you all that uh, you're, you're traveling, actually, right? Yep. Um, are you bringing your lawnmower to Kansas City? That's a personal question. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> like... uh, you never know. You could be stranded out there. You know, you could miss your flight. You could be out right. there for a while. Um, I was reminded of the importance of uh, the lawnmower and travel when the report came out that um, uh, John Schoen, the GM for the Giants now, yeah. was flown out in the middle seat of the back row of an airplane. And nothing's worse than being cramped in the hot, sticky, disgustingness of the back Have row. Have I told you about seat. my flight to Vancouver? Hold that thought for okay. a second. Nothing worse than being crammed in the middle seat if you have not leveraged 
the lawnmower 4.0 recently. It's just an, it's a nightmare. So don't go through that hellscape. Go to manscaped.com, use promo code PFF and get free shipping plus 20% off on the performance package 4.0, which includes the lawnmower 4.0 and the ultra premium body wash. The, the lawnmower 4.0 is what I use. I travel with it. You don't need to bring a charger because it stays charged. And that's a beautiful thing as well. Um, your story on Vancouver, sir. I mean, I said I was once put in the back, like on the my first ever academic conference, backseat flight to Vancouver, Minneapolis, Vancouver, about three hours. Person next to me reading a newspaper, mm -hmm. but like, you know how they open, yeah, they splay right. it over everything. Yeah, it's, you got to let them know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sung to himself the whole the whole plane trip. No, like sung and like not like not like a. What was he singing? Uh, and it was in a different language. I didn't oh, know. Okay. And it was, it wasn't like one of these. So it wasn't like sweet But it Caroline. was, it was like a relatively loud wow. sing. Were you at least along with the other people on the flight laughing at him? I, I, I tried to like sneak a look at other people like. Oh, I what? see. I would have just started singing along. Okay. But I didn't know the language. Like I I'll just make it up. Okay. Just fucking go with it. Anyways, manscaped.com, promo code PFF. Manscaped.com. Just go with it. Just go with it. All right. The three o'clock game. This is on CBS. Jim Nance, Tony Romo. Bengals, Chiefs. Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. Total is 54 and a half. The um, Bengals are plus 268 on the money line. And uh, where would you like to start with this game? Well, let's let's start with the total. Um, okay. 54 and a half. If you look at Pinnacle, it's 54 juiced over. Um, when they first met, I believe the total was in the low 50s. So it's gone up a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, when they first met, which is week 17, final score of that game, 34-31. Total was 51. Yeah. And uh, in that game, Kansas City was a three and a half point underdog at home yeah the Bengals were three and a half point underdogs Cincinnati, at home. Yeah, yeah, Cincinnati yeah. won outright so uh our model likes Cincinnati that game I think it likes them this game in fact earlier this week it was Chief, Chiefs minus seven minus 115 at least on pinnacle right now you're basically getting even uh, odds on both plus mm -hmm. and minus mm -hmm. seven so there has been some resistance on the Bengals uh, I do think that that has some legs to it. Uh, there, it's not teasable just because there's nothing to tease it with. Uh, mm -hmm. Niners are plus three and a half, you know, and you don't tease totals. Um, the the thing I want to focus on is what we talked about in the, the live watch along on Sunday, which is the Chiefs play games that, in a lot of cases, play to the under. Um, they haven't gone under in, a, in a, quite a few weeks. And our friend Greg Rosenthal of the NFL Network talked about when they haven't played like a Big Ben type quarterback, they've gotten shredded in recent weeks. But against Buffalo, that game was going to go under. Like people look at the final score and are like, holy, yeah. holy uh -huh. you know. Uh, but that game was going to go under if they get the stop on the fourth and 13, uh, the first Gabriel Davis touchdown in the last two minutes of the game. Um, and I think that that's a similar straight in this game. When you look at this, Kansas City – Mahomes doesn't attempt balls over 20 yards downfield anymore because he can't. And and but they're super efficient at sort of mm -hmm. moving the ball down the field really really slowly. Yeah. The the first game this season that he has not attempted yeah. to throw 20 plus yards downfield was the game against the Bills. If you had shown someone his stats and that final score 
you could have gotten remarkable odds on that on that fact that he had thrown more that he had thrown passes over 20 yards and that he had completed them he did not 90 percent of his throws were on target in that game mm -hmm. it was a flawless game from a i am not they won't let me throw deep i mean that secondary those safeties they're number one graded uh, secondary in the league for a reason the best safety tandem in the league the bills have Ironically, neither of them made the Pro Bowl, which I thought was really funny. Mm -hmm. um, probably, and, probably for the good now after right. that game. And um, but but he was able to execute so well underneath, and that was clearly a strategy that they had. In fact, I know we don't want to redux this game again, but going back to the series where they had 13 seconds left, that was a that was a brilliant. Everyone's talking about how brilliant it was from the Chiefs' perspective, and and how Travis Kelsey like kind of you know orchestrated the whole thing. That was also a disaster from the Bills' perspective. But I wonder how much of the fact that they just played off was this, we've been drilled to keep them from going over the top. Mm -hmm. And they, I th thought it was really instructive around how the Chiefs have changed. And that the way they won that game was by getting passes underneath and running after yeah. the catch all the way up to the point where they had only 13 seconds left. Yeah, exactly. And the, the Tyreek Hill, I, there was a great uh, on the QB school with JTO Sullivan. He he like paused that Tyreek Hill touchdown a few times. It was mm -hmm. just like, this play's well covered. This play's well covered. This ended up in a touchdown. I don't know how. You know, it's yeah. sort of like, and, and Mahomes, good on him for being extremely patient. And, you know, even in the overtime drive, the, the crosser to McCole Hardman where there was no, like, you know, that was, you know, that was a chief secondary receiver stepping yep. up. But to the point of the, the betting this with the under, right? And you're looking sort of like at volume in this game, right? right. You look, you want to think about volume in this game. Um, to me, I think this plays more under than, than the last game. Um, the reason being is it's the Chiefs got Buffalo to a lot of third downs in that game mm -hmm. and a lot of fourth downs in that mm -hmm. game. Um, and... Like to me, the conversions on third and fourth down are very random, and they're more random when a quarterback who Joe Burrow, who we love, highest graded quarterback PFF, um, highest yards per attempt, highest completion percentage in football so far this year in the regular season, takes sacks. And th that Cincinnati, or sorry, the Cincinnati Tennessee game kind of had the same game plan. It was you know the Bengals are a good enough offense, no matter what, to move the ball some for sure against anybody. Right. So what they were doing against Tennessee was they would get some good offense going. Right. And it's exactly we talking about crossing the street a bunch of times. They get to the other team's 40 and Joe Burrow would take a sack yep. and then you got a punt and punts from the 50 are magical are, for unders. Right. Yeah. Because even if the Chiefs score with it, it's going to take them eight minutes to do so yep. in all likelihood. Right. And so and then additionally, what are, what's going to be a point of emphasis for Kansas City? After last week's yeah, game, where you had Gabriel Davis a seventy-yard touchdown, screwed Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis and Jamar Chase combined have turned in Hall of Fame performances yeah. against the and, Cincinnati. And, and, or, but they the were repeatable, right? The, the Jamar Chase, the Jamar Chase catch and run for the first touchdown for Cincinnati. That's just guys not being able to be in position to make right. tackles. The 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 second Jamar Chase touchdown. That's having Daniel Sorensen in cover two, yeah. right? That that's you can't have that. Uh, the Gabriel Davis touchdown against Buffalo, that's having Matthew out. It looks like Matthew and Rashad Fenton, who was the starter over Mike Hughes, who I, I probably has to retire after that Gabriel Davis touchdown yes. where he like, you know. If, if he's able to physically play after that. And yeah. I'm not saying the Chiefs are a great defense. I, I'm certainly not. And they've had their moments, but I'm just saying 
I think there's a better chance that we just get expected performance out of them, which is get pressure on the quarterback. Like Chris Jones did nothing the other day, right? Um, Tackle the players who are in front of you and don't let the thing get over your head. And that's what they were doing for that eight-week stretch where their defense was performing really well. And they got away from it against Cincinnati. They got away from it against Denver. And, you know, for the most part, it it had, you know, they've had, they have to get back to that. And I think at least in this game, I I don't really like the Chiefs minus seven. I think that's going to be a grind. I think Burrow is a really, uh, you know, he's a quarterback that I really don't like betting against moving forward, especially with big numbers like this. But I do think under is the right play in this game. Yeah, I can get on board um, with under 54 and a half, certainly. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Cincinnati plus seven. So <clears throat> the, the question, I think, is we saw the Bengals get destroyed on the offensive line. Now, just to be really clear, I mentioned this on Sunday. I'm going to mention it a fucking again, is that players that were getting killed on the offensive line were not tackles. This was not a, oh my God, if you had Panay Sewell at tackle, they would have been so much better. No, if you had Panay Sewell at guard, you might have been better. And if you take an offensive guard in the top 10, the NFL draft, you should be fired. Unless he's Quentin Nelson. And even then, yeah, I don't know. Um, So the, the issue there is that you have... Chris Jones. Now, what's really interesting is that in the matchup in Cincinnati, Chris Jones did not play particularly well in that game, did not wreak havoc in that game. But based on what I have seen recently of the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, which is perhaps the worst performance ever by a guard uh, produced by Hakeem Adeniji, poor guy, who on the season, there are 82 guards we've graded. He has the 78th best uh grade in the nfl at 47.5 he got torched and the rest of the interior line did not play particularly well either in that game i would that is the worry that is the really big mismatch that you go okay if joe burrow is not getting rid of the ball quickly which he has not had which has not been doing um this is how they they kind of eat up that game but then i look across the rest of the board and They are not going to be able to cover Jamar Chase. They are not going to be able to stop him from catching short passes and being efficient there with the ball after the catch. So even though that's a concern for me, I still still think based on especially what you said around the Chiefs offense and what we saw with the Chiefs offense, I would definitely, I'm playing the Bengals plus seven. I think seven, that number, I would have made it six and a half, six. The fact that you're getting seven. And that's where it opened, by the way, like that you're not wrong there. Um, Chris Jones in the last three games has five total pressures. Um, He had six and two sacks in the first game in the matchup against the Bengals. Is he hurt in any way? Uh, Well, here's here's some insider info. Chris Jones needed one sack to get over 10 and to get a million-dollar bonus. And he didn't get that against Denver in week 18. And, like, legit to the point where somebody, you know, uh, somebody that I know was like, that was a a sticking point and why – like, he was out there in the end of that, like, silly Pittsburgh game that uh-huh. they won in the regular season by, like, a million. And when Pittsburgh started running, like, he's like, I'm out. Like, so, you know, and obviously postseason sacks don't count. Right. Um, so That's they're, they're, interesting. Yeah. Um, 
So that, that that could be it, right? That and and we and Chris Jones. I mean, there's a reason why the Chiefs franchise tagged him the year that DeForest Buckner mm. got a bigger deal than he did, and it took the Chiefs a while, and they had to get creative. Like, and no one wanted to trade a first round pick for Chris Jones, and yep. everybody wanted to trade a first round pick for DeForest Buckner. Yada yada yada. There are Chris Jones, and by the way, from week I believe it was like week eight to week seventeen, Chris Jones led the entire NFL in pressures from the interior. Linebackers, edges, interiors. He led the league in pressures, right? Like so, so he's a good football player, but it's inconsistent, right? And 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 there are these extraneous things that, like, right. I think go to explain. Um, he'll want to have a three sack game in a, in a in a you know an effort like this, but if he, I think this goes to explain some of some of the issues and inconsistencies he's had. Um, yeah, and, and it's interesting because. So in the Tennessee game, it was you know they were winning. They did a ton of um, simulated yeah. pressures and all this stuff. But Joe Burrow was actually good against that. And Joe Burrow has the highest grade in the NFL when facing a blitz. The Chiefs since Week Ten have blitzed at a bottom ten rate, about twenty three percent of the time. Yeah. It's not been something that they were relying on. So I don't expect that to happen. I think what you were would be expecting here is exactly what you said is like if you're not going to bet the Bengals, you've got to think that jamar chase is going to get shut down yes jamar chase t higgins like tyler boyd like that that group is getting shut down because because this is i mean this is an offense that even with joe burrow taking sacks they have enough talent to scrape together some points right mm -hmm. so yeah. if they're winning by you know if they're winning by seven or by more than seven they're really stifling them, mm -hmm. and that mean you know that's a that means you're you're wiping out all of those players. So I think are yeah, I mean, obviously solid. I mean Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, both top ten graded receivers this year. Yeah, exactly. And the Chiefs historically, since Spags has taken over, a top five team in terms of not allowing yards to wide receivers, right? Mm -hmm. And they and it they were second, I believe, in the since 2019 before the Cincinnati game. And now this year they've been they've been giving up yards to wide receivers. In fact, the obviously the 200 at Gabriel Davis. It is an interesting mark though that it wasn't Diggs last week. It mm -hmm. was Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis and I, I think that the problem but T Higgins is capable. That's the thing. I think yeah. the problem with the Bengals is that Higgins and Boyd are both good football players and you you risk that. So I, I do think I, I agree. Let me, I, let me tell you the teams that Kansas City has beaten by more than seven points. Yeah. Are you ready great. for this? No, it's not good. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers twice. The Denver Broncos twice. The, no, uh, just sorry, the Broncos once. Once, once yeah. sorry. The Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders twice. twice. That's what I meant. They, they played the Packers with Jordan Love. They beat them by six. The Raiders played, noticeably, by the way, no wide receivers. No wide receivers and play cover three literally the whole freaking yeah. time. They are a nightmare. The New York Giants with Daniel Jones, they beat them by three. Uh, they beat the Washington football team by more than seven. Um, Philly, they beat Philly, Philly by more than seven. Um, and that they beat um, uh, the Cardinals in the preseason by uh, seven. Exactly. So like the point being is that this is, unless you're the Raiders or the Broncos, which these teams are not, you know, or the Steelers, obviously, which yeah. these teams are not. Like, a close game is what you should expect here. Um, really no, you know, injuries on the Bengals' side that you're 
particularly worry about. It looks like Tyron Matthew is going to play. Rashad Fenton um, is going to come back. Rashad Fenton is going to come in back. In the stead of Mike Hughes, yeah. So, like, both teams are pretty healthy here. Um, any props that you like? I, I mean, the old reliables. But, um, yeah. so, in this game... Let me let me uh, let me let me give you a couple set this here. down here. Go I really ahead. like Joe Burrow once again over rushing yards. I know those can be hard to find, um, but eight and a half is the line that we have here on the PFF Player Props tool. We show um, about six point four percent edge over what you'd need to break even, uh, based on what we have the chances of that happening at, which I will take every single day. Fifty nine percent chance that it covers, uh, based on our model. Fifty two percent. Here's my what you one. need to break even. But hold on real quick. Joe Burrow has not had to run the ball of late. Not against Tennessee. Well, he had up. to, but he didn't. Right, <laughs> right. Um, not against the Raiders. Uh, last time they played the Chiefs, he had 10 rushing yards. He's gone over 10 uh, in the three games at the end of the season that he played. Uh, in this game, where I expect him to be down, um, I think he's going to have to make a few plays with his feet. I like that one. Speak similar thing. I like Jamar Chase over... 87 and a half yards minus 115. I also like, and this this is gonna dagger me, but I also like Patrick Mahomes under 29 and a half rushing yards at minus really? 119. After that uh Patrick Vick performance. Well, most it it most of it came on the one run, right? Yeah. And and after that he kind of uh, 16, found his way. The, the, we did see Trey Hendrickson come off last week with a shoulder. He did come back in, mm-hmm. but no. Larry Ogunjobi. Um, you really want to go under that on Mahomes? I'm going. I'll go over. Friendly bet. Friendly bet. All right. But by friendly, Skyline Chili. By by friendly <laughs> bet, I mean you're taking me out to dinner. Yeah. Okay. Fifteenth time. Let's do. Let's do this. Um. I. I uh, another one that I like. Uh, Travis Kelsey over six and a half receptions. So had eight against the Bills, five against the Steelers, four against the Broncos. Um. Did not. Uh, um. He had a big drop in the game yeah. at Paul Brown. Has not had like a ton of you know really big catch games, uh, but in this game where you expect the Bengals to do the same thing, where it's like keep everything in front of them, the linebackers for the Bengals are not a particularly strong group. Um, he had a kind of a weak game against the Bengals uh, in Week 17. Um, I want to say he had five catches for like 26 yards or something. Um, and so in this game, in a really big spot, have Travis Kelsey over. It's interesting. This year, he is just four and 13 on the over. Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. Kelsey's had an interesting year. I think Kelsey is very uh, emblematic of this current Chiefs team, which is kind of what we talked about at the beginning. Like this team is just trying to get to 12 wins, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's not going all all a balls to the wall on every single game. Um Bills were like that too, right? Bills yeah. this season struggled in a lot of games, but ultimately as we saw on Sunday, they're they're a formidable team, you know. Before we get to the nightcap, San Francisco Los Angeles. If you would like, and I think you probably would like to place a little wager on some of these games, you should head to DraftKings and DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner unofficial sports betting partner of the NFL. They're celebrating huge odds for new customers. If you use promo code PFF, uh, you can get 56 to one odds. Why? Because it's Super Bowl 56. On any team, bet just $5, get 280 in free bets. If your team wins, 
If a sports book isn't available in your state, that's okay too. DraftKings Daily Fantasy is legal everywhere. Huge cash prizes there. And they're giving all new customers a free shot at a million dollars when they sign up. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5. Win 280 in free bets if they win. Promo code PFF. 56 to 1 odds. Go make it happen. You must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers. The ones that are eligible. Minimum $5. Deposit $1 wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call. 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay. Uh, a rematch in both of these games. This rematch is between divisional teams. The San Francisco 49ers covered both times, won both times this year against the Rams, are 6-0 and in their last six against the Rams. In their last seven, they are 6-1 and against the spread. Jimmy Garoppolo, 74 PFF grade. In his last four games, though, he has 10 turnover-worthy plays and just two big-time throws. The slander on Jimmy has to stop. You just did it, though. Slander on Jimmy has to stop. Here's the thing. I was listening to Kyle Shanahan today, and Kyle Shanahan made a really good point. Jimmy is so good. He makes so many good reads that he throws more passes that are likely to be intercepted. That, that's exactly what I said. Jimmy, Jimmy. It is a good point though in that, and yeah. this was one of the stats that I was going to bring up around this game. When the Niners have played the Rams, everyone is talking about the run game. Okay. The Niners, when they played the Rams, have killed them with the pass. They have by far the best EPA per pass play of any team that has faced the Rams this season. By far. And where they are doing it is over the middle of the field. Jimmy G throws the ball over the middle of the field. Now, that's why he throws more interceptions. It is like, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it's substantially higher uh, chance of getting a ball intercepted when you throw it over the middle. Yeah. I mean, look, when Jimmy G took the Niners to the Super Bowl in 2019, he had 15 big-time throws and 22 turnover-worthy plays. This year, it's a little bit more pronounced. 11 big-time throws, 27 turnover-worthy plays. It's brutal. The only person that has... More turnover-worthy plays than him, I believe, is Ben Roethlisberger and Zach Wilson. Yeah, but, like, he doesn't take, uh, you know, he, again, I think the difference between him and uh, other quarterbacks who are considered of his ilk is that he will throw what is called, and that is why when when it works, the, he's aver- he's an eight yards per attempt guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, that that's a big thing in both nine yards per attempt in both uh, 9.5 or more in both games against the Rams. Um, and, and here's a little bit of a reason why. And you look at so, so our guy Timo Risky tweeted out like sort of like the the map, the passing maps, and like the middle of the field is where the Rams give up plays, and the middle of the field is where the Niners make plays. But here's something that I you know sort of like piece together because I'm, I'm trying to just you know this is why Shanahan kills the Rams yeah. defense. The the Niners run the ball second most in the NFL on early downs, but they don't face one of the heavier boxes. They run motion more, depending upon how you you look at it. Like I think early downs, early in games, or first or second in motion. The Rams disguise their coverage more than any team in the league, and they do it nine percentage points more if you look at all downs than anybody in the NFL during the regular season. On early downs, they disguise their coverage forty three percent of the time against all non forty nine er teams. It was twenty nine point nine against the Niners. Meaning Shanahan's motion mitigates them it makes it so that the rams aren't comfortable running their own motion and who do the rams have out now the rams of jordan fuller out taylor rap might play but 
you know, he was out last week. They have, you know, and their backup safeties played really well the last two games. But like, do we expect them to play really well moving forward? Like, I don't know. And and you know, that's that's the formula. That's the formula to beat the Rams defensively. Now, the question becomes the other side of the ball. The other side of the ball, and that's where the Niners. When they've been good, that's why they've been good, is that their defense stayed healthy. Yeah, so, by the way, I forgot to mention, it's three and a half is the the spread. The Niners are three and a half point underdogs in this game. When they played in week 18 at SoFi, the Niners were also three and a half point underdogs, which I think is interesting because I would say we've learned a little bit more about the Niners so far, but the market doesn't feel that way. The Buccaneers win by the Rams it was impressive. And Matt Stafford was awesome. But it was, I don't want to say predictable. I don't want to, I'm not, this is not me trying to bag on Matt Stafford in any way, shape, or form. The Bucs did what Matt Stafford wanted them to do. He is the fourth highest graded quarterback against the blitz and the bucks who are an incredibly blitz heavy team decided not to change what they did they blitzed matt stafford as much as he has been blitzed all year and he absolutely eviscerated them including the last play to cooper cup which was against the blitz which he just nailed on a amazing throw that ended the game the 49ers since week 10 have blitzed 14 percent of the time by comparison the bucks blitz 44 percent of the time and they are still getting pressure. They have the um, highest quick pressure rate, the most sacks um, without a blitz, uh, or sorry, high sack rate of teams that are not blitzing at a top five rate. And that sets up really well against the Rams. I think that's why defensively, the Niners are a great matchup because they are able to rush with four and still play defense on the back end with Fred Warner who came back from injury and was amazing was the highest graded defender last week that was a real concern Joey Bosa has a 91 PFF grade in the postseason a 90 PFF grade so far this year and here's the here's the other thing it's not just Nick Bosa Eric Armstead has been amazing 17th highest graded defensive interior player um, eighth in pass rush grade among defensive interior players like that's really freaking good Eric Armstead's a man and and like he's he absolutely ate up a Packers offensive line that's not great. What are, what are what's the uh, injury status on Whitworth? Does it matter? Did no, is Joseph Nopum just as good? Just as good. Joseph Nopum was amazing in that game. I believe Whitworth is going to come back. Trent Williams did not practice today, but is uh, optimistic that he will play. I think he's going to play. Now you should be concerned about that because Trent Williams is a mobile guy. And what they do with Trent Williams is get him out. They put him in motion in that, you know, that mm-hmm. game last week. Williams did not play in the first match, the last matchup <laughs> between the two teams. And the backup gave up a sack that made the Niners punt, but then they got the yeah. three and out before the Jimmy G drive, the epic Jimmy G drive to put it into overtime. Can I tell you my biggest worry is though? Okay. So as I was doing a deep dive on this game, I noticed something really interesting. Aaron Donald, the best player in the NFL, has a 93 pass rush grade against all non-49er teams this year. He has a 62 pass rush grade against the 49ers. I do not want to bet on Aaron Donald not having a great game. Yeah. Now, it should be noted that the 49ers do have, you know, they, they're not 
they have one of the best supporting casts in the NFL. And Alex Mack has been good. Lincoln Tomlinson has been good. Interestingly, Daniel Brunskill has not been, but he has played some of his best games against the Rams. Um, so, you know, maybe there is something to that. But, you know, Vaughn Miller uh, off the edge against Tom Compton is worrisome, even though Tom Compton has a 82 PFF grade. That is that is concerning. Um, so I don't know that you need Aaron Donald to have a bad game to cover this, but that's what has happened in the past too. And so, like, for that reason, I'd be a little concerned. I mean, the Niners have won these games outright. You, I mean, they yeah. have. Yeah. So, and and that's why I think, like, to me, and you're starting to see a little bit of movement here back towards the Niners. It had gotten closer to minus 110 on both sides, but now I think you're seeing more support for San Francisco. Um, total on the game, 46. It looks like under is getting some love. I I, I kind of... I kind of like over, man. I, I do think the Niners are going to have success offensively. And, you know, when you look at Elijah Mitchell, he has not gotten going... Like, Elijah Mitchell, they've stuck with him. Like, if you look at the – like, he's gotten 20 or more carries 80% of the time he plays. Mm -hmm. And so they stick with him. Um, and, and you know, it's – I think that they do it so that the stuff to, to Kittle, the stuff to use check, the stuff to Samuel especially works. I'll, I'm interested, and I think that the other reason why I think that the Rams defense struggles against the Niners is there isn't the – there isn't the stationary player for Ramsey to go up against, mm -hmm. right? So the Packers, you know, last season, for example, you know, Devontae Adams is the number one wide receiver, and he plays, generally speaking, a traditional number one wide receiver role. Ramsey, it's trivial that he'll guard him. Mike Evans is the same thing, and all of Mike Evans got over the top of Jalen yeah, Ramsey. Yeah. But, like, that one makes a lot of sense. But Debo's all over the place. Debo's right? all over the place, and he's, a, he's, he's in the yeah. backfield. And, like, you, you would hate if you were Raheem Morris to – Hey, say, hey, Ramsey, you're shadowing Debo everywhere. Yeah, it makes no sense. And then for them to put him in the backfield and for your best corner to now be linebacker all yeah. game. And and so Which, do they put him on IU? Because Jawan Jennings has had a damn good season and at the end of the season. Have, and then you know, honestly, I'd put him Kittle, on George Kittle. I would, yeah. And, and But then Ayuk, I, I don't think anybody would, on the Rams can cover Ayuk I agree. other than Ramsey. I agree. I would make Ayuk beat. Yeah. And that was one of the things that, that we talked about with the AFC side was the the thing that Buffalo lacked was a player who could shut down a great player. Mm. Buffalo's defense was very even. And I think when you look at San Francisco's defense, that's a similar thing. The San Francisco defense does not have a secondary player where you say, that's our ace. That guy's going to shut down right. Cooper Cup. And I do think that that's the one leak in the Niners defense. It was similar to the Buffalo leak against the Chiefs and, and vice yeah. versa. The Ramsey thing, but like having an offense that's as sort of weird as the Niners are and as motion ridden yeah. as the Niners are, it it takes what Ramsey can do and just limits it a little bit. And I think that that's where the Rams defense, because they can't motion around, they can't do that kind of stuff, it, it makes their defense a lot less good than it normally is in a neutral situation, which is yeah. an, an amazing defense. Well, speaking of, this is why it's important that that blitz stat is important. The Bucs don't have anyone that can match up with Cooper Cup either. But mm -hmm. they they play one less person in coverage yeah. on 50% of their plays. So, like, yeah, I don't have anyone that can match up with Cooper, Cooper Cup. But if I have an extra player playing in coverage, that's a huge benefit. <laughs> you know, and right. that is what the Niners will have going in their favor. I, I would, so, um, very much looking forward to the Kyle Shanahan 
um, Sean McBay, Sean McBay, father son storyline that will go on in this game. I think it's going to be great. I hope that um, I hope that they have like Aaron Andrews do a special on it. You know, like talk to both of them and you know be like, hey Sean, so like, what's it like? You know, playing against your dad at home. You know, you know what's that? What's the dynamic when you go home? Is you know going to put you on timeout? Like, what's the deal? What's the the nepotism here with your son coaching another yeah, team? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I I am really excited to see what Kyle Shanahan does. I think my take here would be that look. Okay, you're in this game. You're one win away from the Super Bowl. Debo Samuel, I know, is a little banged up. I would expect some cr- extra creativity with Debo in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what what else do you have to lose? I mean, because yeah. this is the thing. This is this is also why th- this is a narrative driven thing. But I do believe it. This is the Niners' last hurrah for a little bit, isn't it? Like you got to think, not the last hurrah. For- stop. You stop it. I don't mean it that way, but I, what I mean is this is this is the last time Jimmy G starting for this team probably, right? This is, you know, it's not Debo's last time. It's not know, Kittle's man. last time. I don't know. You know, Trent Williams isn't getting all that much younger. Like this this is a team that knows that a lot of shit's got to go right for them to be in the AFC, NFC title game, right? Mm-hmm. This is exactly what we talked about in the forecast where in the last 11 years, five years, the Niners have made the NFC championship game yep. and five years they failed to win seven games, right? The, I think the kitchen sink is going to be thrown out. I agree by Shanahan more than McVay. And the other thing I, I well, I, I Shanahan's truly kitchen sink has more things in it. But I, the other thing I truly believe is that McVay also doesn't want to throw the kitchen sink with Sta- with Stafford. McVay, Stafford is a little Stafford's good enough to win on his own. That and Stafford. There's some interception stuff with him, right? Like, and I am looking at tickets right now. I haven't totally decided if I'm going or not. I'm leaning towards not, just because uh, if I do all that and and they lose, it'll be a little rough um, for me. But uh, but it's interesting. The resale market. There are a ton of tickets. So we're talking about like last time we were there, the Niners were there. Seventy-five percent Niners fans. So the question is like, will Niners fans be able to buy these tickets? There is, there are like only a handful of sections that aren't available on Vivid Seats right now. You can buy tickets everywhere that you want. So if you're worried that like the Rams have bought all the tickets for this game, the Rams fans have, I think you've got another thing coming. <laughs> I just don't think that's the case. Like the love for the Rams in Los Angeles. It's just not that I strong. Don't mean, I don't mean to be a dick, but there's a reason they left for St. Louis the first time. Like I, <laughs> it's a really, it's a really fair point. Here's the thing about Los Angeles that if you've lived in Los Angeles, you've been to Los Angeles, you know. People say something. They're like, "Yeah, I really love that." Yeah, and it's like, "How much do you love it?" Not that much. Yeah, <laughs> not that freaking much. You know, it's like, but "Oh, like, I love that band." Do you want to go see them? Nah, I'm good. two teams left the city in the same year. The Raiders and the Rams. So my hypothesis is, my hypothesis is that, look, and I'll give you a sense of what the the prices are. Like, if you want to sit close to the 50-yard line, um, you know, in the middle deck, like, yeah, you're paying like three grand a ticket, two grand a ticket. You go towards the end zone, like you're paying like a grand a ticket. Um, You want nosebleeds that are like five, six hundred dollars, you know, without paying the like extra, you know, uh, fees that get tacked on at the end. So they're expensive, 
but they're not that expensive. They're not prohibitive to a team. And this is my point that actually their fans give a fuck. Well, and (laughs) let's be, let's not be socioeconomically like San Francisco. Yeah, they can can afford afford that. Yeah, they can afford it. Yeah, more than maybe people like, I don't know. Well, per per capita, a Sam, person from the Bay Area makes more than a person. Yeah, because what yeah. they can do is, if you have a three hundred square foot place in San yeah, Francisco, yeah. you can Airbnb it for enough to pay yeah, for your ticket, yeah, and yeah. then you can. Well, that's where Airbnb that. originated. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, at a design conference. But so I do think that um, I do believe that it will be. You heard about what happened back in the day, right? So. When the Raiders played in the Coliseum, they used to cover up like a third of the Coliseum because they could never sell it out. Right. And there was one year where the Dallas Cowboys went with the year the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl with Jimmy Johnson and Trey Aikman and all them. And that was the one game that the Raiders uncovered the Coliseum because that was how they filled it out. Like these are these are problems that have been persistent in the right. Los Angeles football market for a long time. So uh, I think we're aligned there on San Francisco plus three and a half. I actually like. Um, San Francisco money line, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I have bet the San Francisco money line in each of the playoff games so I, far. Here's this a year. question that I have, and I want it's to, plus 153, by the way. Yeah. Here's the question I have team total. See if it's already, it's Wednesday, so sometimes you don't get a team total. Let me go to DraftKings Sportsbook here because I'm not seeing it on Pinnacle, but like you can get a secondary, like, because I think, like, if you like Niners, you like total, some maybe the team total could be something you like. Um, so let me let me click on this. By the way, Niners are plus minus one fifteen at plus three and a half on uh, uh, on DraftKings. So um, I don't know; they don't have. It's weird. Don't have team totals up there. Yeah, maybe. Um, let me look at another book here. Uh, total uh well you find those and we decide on our lock of the week that's what i'm I, that's what i'm honing in yes. on i will uh oh i will remind you all that if you would like this big game it's only a couple weeks away and if you want the ultimate game day feast go to westernsouthern.com slash feast and all you have to do is actually something that's kind of fun you get to ask chris collinsworth a question and by doing so at westernsouthern.com slash feast you will be entered to win a $2,500 catered big game feast. I keep trying to say Super Bowl and I keep stopping myself and whatever. Uh, And there there it is. I said it. So ask Chris anything, something about Al, Sunday Night Football, maybe if he thinks Sean Payton is a good fit for the Amazon booth, you know, whatever. And Chris will answer the best questions on his podcast, which you can watch on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So go to westernsouthern.com slash feast, enter, watch, win. Uh, so the team total is 21 on the nuts, minus 110. I like that. That's a good one. I like that. I like that as well. 21 and a half would be tough, but you do get like the push probability there mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. So lock, here's, an- here's lock another of the one week options. Lock of the week options that we've talked about. We have Cincy plus seven. We have under 54 and a half in Bengals Chiefs. We have San Francisco plus three and a half. We have over 46 and a half in Niners Rams we've got player prop options and we've got your team total here's another one that that you might want to think about too because this is weird but you do see these all the time first half Niners are plus three minus 115 oh really yeah that's interesting so people is this an overreaction to the type of to the the way the Niners have played the last 
two of the last three games, they got out in front of Dallas. But, like, Niners kind of sucked in the first half. Mm -hmm. Rams especially sucked in the first half. I like that a lot. Niners plus three first half, minus 115. That's a good one. Man, I do feel like we're arriving at something Niners-Rams. I always have a little bit of trouble with the first half because the incentive to win the game isn't there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like Shanahan is going to kneel it down if, you know. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with the... the uh, sorry, not the same thing with the team total. I don't know. Um, so the team total first half for the Niners... Let me pull this back up. It's going to be in that like nine and, nine a, half and a half range. range. Yeah. So that that's another thought too. If you think that they're um, not going to have to settle for field goals and stuff, um, man, I don't know. Yeah, it's first like half. All. First half Niners are not over nine and a half minus one thirty. Actually, on this offshore book, Niners plus three first half is minus one ten. <laughs> I yeah i mean that's a no-brainer the the line for the game is three and a half like it just it just is making inferences about jimmy g's yeah. come from if look at this if you think jimmy g's more of a come from behind quarterback than he is a play from a head quarterback i don't know what to tell you you are you are overreacting to the last like three weeks well you've clearly been talking to a lot of single yeah. ladies out there by the way <laughs> Um, by the way, so, show. so I, I hate to ding on other people, but, mm. uh, on the, uh, on the athletic football podcast, our friend Mitchell sports, who gives a fuck that Jimmy G is the third highest EPA since 2017. You can't watch football during that and think he's one of the best QBs in the NFL. I'll tell you who gives a fuck the scoreboard. The fact that the Niners are in their second NFC title yeah, game in the last three years that this is, this drives me up a wall. The, this whole, like, the results of the games matter. Like whether or not you move the ball on offense, that matters. Like, I don't care if you don't like how it looks. I don't care. Like, and, and I get like, we don't like, he doesn't get a trophy for like, if he wins a Super Bowl, he doesn't get a trophy for was a good quarterback while winning a Super Bowl. He just wins a Super Bowl. And if the Niners win that way, right? Like I, I it drives me crazy. Sorry. That was a, that was a rant. I, I I'm taking Niners. I, that Let's be, just roll with the Niners. Yeah. Niners plus three for a half. And, and and the whole game. Just, just bet them go all. Niners. You're going to bet them all this week. Go Niners. That was our it's podcast. We again. will be back on Sunday night in some capacity. We're going to figure out the best way to do that um, with Eric in Kansas City. And you in LA. We'll see. We'll see about that. Maybe I'll be here live going crazy. Anyways, we love you all. Thanks for hanging out. Peace. Peace.